Hello and welcome to the first episode of How We Got Here, a new podcast from FKG Consulting, uh, published by Nondoc Media. I'm Trace Savage, the editor-in-chief of Nondoc.com, a journalism site based in Oklahoma City, and I spend a good amount of my time uh, at the state capitol with a couple of the gentlemen who are here with FKG, Brian Freed and Alex Wentz. How are you guys? Good. Good, thanks. Uh, We... uh, we're, we're happy to be doing this podcast, I think, and uh, look forward to talking about some interesting subjects. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Brian. Uh, my name is Brian Freed, and I'm a member of FKG Consulting. I have been a registered lobbyist since 1999. Uh, FKG Consulting is a public affairs firm which uh, does government relations, lobbying, uh, political consulting, and uh, public relations. And so uh, we've had our FKGs been together in, uh, since 2005, and so uh, we are uh, we, we we spend most of our time at the Capitol as well, representing clients in front of the uh, legislature. And I'm Alex Wentz. I've been with FKG for two years now, uh, but I've been in and around uh, Oklahoma politics and the media landscape for almost 10 years. I worked as Governor Fallon's spokesperson and communications director uh, in her administration uh, in her capacity as governor, but also when she was a U.S. congresswoman. I've also worked uh, on some political campaigns, including the one to modernize Oklahoma's beer and wine laws, and I do mostly media relations and public relations for FKG. Great. Well, uh, as I said, I'm Trace Savage. I'm the editor-in-chief and a co-owner of Nondoc. Uh, We uh, are a responsible public forum for news and commentary, and we spend a decent amount of time focused on state politics. Uh, And Oklahoma is in an interesting uh, year. Uh, This is uh, January 2018. Uh, The legislature is about to convene for the 2018 session, which uh, should run from February 5th uh, through Uh, mid to late May, I forget the exact date, Um, and yet we are also still in a special session um, of the uh, 2017 legislature that was called because the state has a budget problem, a budget shortfall, that lawmakers have thus far been able to uh, fix. Um, There was a state Supreme Court ruling uh, that threw out the cigarette fee and without getting too deep into the weeds on what's happened in 2017, um, essentially there remains a, a, a hole in the fiscal year budget that lawmakers will have to address by as early as April, and then they have to work on the uh, next fiscal year's budget as well. So there's a lot on the plate right now. Brian, can you kind of give us uh, a, a little more depth on the 2017 uh, session and, and, and how we got to where we are now? Sure. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, you're right. I mean, it, it, is, it has basically been an ongoing uh, process and soap opera in many cases uh, that all started at the last session, uh, which they, we have been dealing with budget shortfalls for several years now. And the legislature convened uh, last session and attempted to come up with a revenue package that would appease enough people in order to garner a supermajority in the House of Representatives and the Oklahoma Senate which means you have to get 75%. We will go into detail on, on that at a later date. Uh, 
they were unable to come up with uh, any kind of agreement amongst parties. Uh, we couldn't get bipartisan support on, on any revenue-raising measures. Therefore, they did what was called a cigarette fee at the end of last session, uh, not calling it a tax, hoping that the, uh, it, would, it would pass the smell test uh, with the courts. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court ruled that a cigarette fee, even though you call it a fee, is, not, is, is a tax and not a fee. Therefore, the Supreme Court threw out the cigarette fee. That was significant because the cigarette fee uh, went towards three health agencies in the state of Oklahoma, and it was, a, it had, it was estimated to generate about $257 million. Uh, it was the Oklahoma Health Care Authority, the Department of Mental Health, and the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, so once the cigarette fee was thrown out by the Supreme Court, that left a massive funding hole for those three agencies. Therefore, we went back into special session to attempt to address uh, the funding fees. The governor uh, wanted to, to address more systematic, broader, deeper revenue issues and wanted to, to get into deeper issues. Uh, and and that's, that's what started the special session and that we're still in today. And Governor Fallon has, has made that call for a couple of years in a row now that the state uh, has broader revenue problems, uh, that the tax base needs to be broadened. Uh, this is, of course, in the wake of some tax cuts over recent years. Um, Alex, what can you say in terms of uh, the, the specific tax proposals that were put forward in 2017 and, and the uh, uh, results of those votes and efforts? Yeah, so what we've, what we've learned and relearned is, over and over again uh, in the last year is that it's really, really hard to pass any kind of tax increase. Uh, Governor Fallon actually, at the beginning of the 2017 legislative, legislative session, uh, in her State of the State address, put forward really a massive tax pass package. It was uh, everything from service taxes to uh, cigarette tax. I, I think it did it total over a billion dollars or, or close to that. I mean, it was, it was a large revenue package, uh, and it was essentially dead on arrival. Uh, but I, I do think that it what it, she did do by proposing those taxes is kind of move the needle in terms of the public dialogue. It was uh, one of the first times that a, a leader in the Republican Party in Oklahoma had said, our biggest problem right now is we do not have enough revenue to fund state government, which changed the way uh, we talk about uh, revenue and uh, versus expenses in Oklahoma. So at that point, uh, the legislature and various groups who work for the legislature started, I think, getting very serious about uh, potential tax packages and looked at everything, uh, again, including the cigarette tax, but gasoline, gross production, and all of those various packages sort of dominated the 27th legislative session, and none of them were successful because, as we're, as we're going to talk about more today, uh, the very, very high constitutional threshold requiring 76 votes for a tax increase. And, and, where, and where we are today uh, is that the legislature has actually convened into a couple of special sessions in which the end result is that they have funded those three agencies that I told you about through April of this fiscal year. The state fiscal year runs uh, July 1st through the end of June. Uh, that leaves two months in this existing fiscal year that the uh, legislature still has to fund before they can even get to funding next year's budget, which is typically the priority of each legislative session. And when we talk about 
how we got here, the constitutional requirement uh, to pass revenue uh, was raised in the early 90s. And it, we've heard more and more people talk about and get familiar with state question 640 in years when state revenues are great, when oil is $100 a barrel. This hasn't been an issue in recent years, but in the past couple of years, the ability to get any new revenue raising measure uh, requires 76 votes in the House, which is a three-fourths majority. There's 101 seats, and then it requires a three-fourths majority in the Senate as well. Uh, the Constitution does require that those measures start in the House, and so uh, that's also put uh, extra focus on the House of Representatives it itself. Uh, Speaker Charles McCall has uh, at different times said he wants to focus on the cigarette tax primarily, uh, as well as a gas tax. Oklahoma has um, a high rate of smoking, uh, which obviously affects health care costs, and we have a uh, relatively or just factually low uh, fuel tax um, compared to many other states. And we also have I-35 uh, crisscrossing us north-south and I-40 east-west and then uh, 44 from sort of withers to brisket, if you will, right? So um, the effort to increase the gas tax has been um, not nearly as popular, uh, a lot of it because of polling. The cigarette tax uh, has, has polled very well. But then every time something is brought into this bigger tax package, it, it ultimately makes it a little harder to pass, right? So can you speak to the, the difficulty that 640 presents uh, when you're talking about an individual issue, but also uh, a group of issues? Uh, because as you mentioned, Alex, gross production taxes, which are, are severance taxes on oil and gas wells, have been brought in uh, primarily by Democrats, but also by moderate Republicans who want to sort of uh, decrease the tax incentives, if you will, for uh, oil and gas uh, drilling uh, as a way to offset what they see as more uh, regressive taxes on, on average citizens. Uh, so as these things all get lumped together, what's the effect of that? Yeah, I'll let Brian answer that question, but I do want to point out that one of the, the big reasons why we wanted to do this podcast is to uh, kind of talk about the historical context for these problems and so many times we have conversations with people where they say everyone thinks that the state needs more revenue if it's so obvious why can't we get more revenue and then the answer is well because we have this constitutional amendment that makes it very difficult well if, uh, if the constitutional amendment is making that hard to govern why would we ever pass a constitutional amendment like that and so what we're kind of trying to do uh, with our podcast with how we got here is to draw a line from where we are today uh, to where we started and why it makes sense uh, that we're here today because because I do think that context is important. A lot of times the, the debate uh, in the media at the Capitol is sort of defined by this uh, disbelief. You know, how, why can't we get more revenue? Why is it so difficult? And there, there are real answers to that and those answers inform how we move forward from here and so that's what we're interested in talking about. And, and Brian, I'll let you yeah, pick up I, on that historical I, I think it, this is a good opportunity to, to take a uh, kind of dive back into time and, 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 and ask ourselves, how did we get to this point? How did we get here? 
And the, the answer to that is uh, we, this started uh, back during, uh, as, as everybody knows, uh, has an appreciation for, I think, in Oklahoma. We are an oil and gas producing state in which we are very dependent upon the commodity prices in oil and gas and the, the health and welfare of jobs and everything related to that. Back in uh, the 70s, the budget was going like crazy. Oil prices were great. And then we got into the early 80s and the oil bust hit. And when the oil bust hit in the, in the early 80s, all of a sudden we had uh, significant budget shortfalls. It's also important to point out back during this period of time, people tend to look at Oklahoma as a very uh, conservative Republican state. But back in, in this period of time that we're talking about, back during the middle 80s, this was a, a state that was run by Democrats. Uh, the Democrats controlled the House of Representatives uh, uh, during that period of time by super majorities. Uh, by, by the time we got to uh, 1990, uh, the, the, they had a 69 to 32 margin in the uh, House of Representatives, uh, and they had a 34 to 14 margin in the state Senate. That's, that's almost, uh, uh, the Republicans now uh, have a similar supermajority uh, in the House and Senate today, so it's really flipped. But it's important for everybody, I think, to understand that uh, we had a supermajority of Democrats back during this period of time. And so what the Democrats tried to do when the uh, oil prices uh, went into the tank is that they tried to figure out how to stabilize the budget. And they did a series of tax increases uh, beginning in the mid-80s and culminating with the most probably uh, popular or well-known tax increase that, that the state did, and that was House Bill 1017. And House Bill 1017 was uh, in 1990, and this was a comprehensive uh, of revenue package, uh, I believe it was income taxes and corporate taxes, and it went to uh, education, went, went to a lot of things that we talk about today, teacher salary increases and all those type of things. Uh, and interestingly enough, back during this period of time uh, with Democrat supermajorities, they, uh, they did not have a constitutional requirement uh, that they needed 75%. They needed just a simple majority. And it took the uh, Democrats a long period of time in order to pass House Bill 1017. And as a matter of fact, when it passed in the House of Representatives, it passed 51 to 50. When it passed in the Senate, it passed 26 to 19. Uh, and then they had a big fight over the emergency clause. And emergency clauses are important because emergency clauses mean that the, the measure goes into effect immediately. And they needed this, uh, this to go into effect immediately for a lot of reasons. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, but one of the reasons was there are some procedural maneuvers that can be done uh, via the Oklahoma Constitution about a referendum uh, that would not have allowed it to go in place if they did not have the emergency clause in place. So it was important to get the emergency. It took a long period of time to get the emergency. It took, uh, I believe, a teacher strike uh, coming up to the Capitol, uh, thousands of teachers rallying in order for uh, a Democrat legislature to finally get an emergency clause and pass House Bill 1017. But House, the passage of House Bill 1017 immediately led to a couple of uh, petitions by the voters. The first one was an attempt to immediately repeal House Bill 1017 and State Question 639. Uh, and State Question 639 essentially just said, we're, we're going to, as voters, undo what the legislature just did with House Bill 1017. And that measure failed, uh, failed at the, uh, uh, at the ballot. So the, uh, they immediately moved into the next uh, measure that went on the ballot was State Question 640. 
and state question 640, which you, uh, Trace, talked about just a few minutes ago. Uh, in essence, the campaign slogan at the time was no new taxes without a vote of the people. And that's a good way of, of looking at it. It's no new taxes without a vote of the people unless you can get 75% of the legislature to agree. And it was sort of a populist uh, response to a lot of this, um, even though in, in some terms Oklahoma's populist roots might be seen as, as, as Democrat in nature, there was sort of a populist uh, uprising in terms of a couple groups that were, were started, uh, Stop Taxing Our People, which, stands, which spells out stop, and then the Oklahoma Taxpayers Union, which really, uh, I believe, helped spearhead State Question 640, which made the ballot and passed in 1991, or 1992, Two. I guess it mm-hmm. would have been. Um, and since then, the state of Oklahoma has not, the legislature has not passed a traditional tax increase uh, at all. Correct. They sent a cigarette tax to a ballot vote for the public, which did pass, uh, but in... I guess that'd be 16 years going on now. Uh, the legislature itself has not passed a quote-unquote tax increase. Yeah. Right, that's correct. And and one of the great ironies of this is this was an anti-tax revolution spearheaded by Republicans in response to Democrat tax increases, right, Brian? And so ironically where that's left us today, now that Republicans control both houses and every statewide office, including the governor's office, is that uh, it's, it has found the one way to empower a super minority, which is the Democratic Party, by demanding that there's a, a three-quarters majority, because no tax increases can get passed if the Democrats lock up, as they have done in the House and voted no, um, because they're using it as leverage to get other things that they want. So all of a sudden, this Republican initiative has uh, found us in this strange place where it has empowered exactly the people, uh, you know, pro-tax, pro what we would say, you know, quote-unquote big government Democrats, and brought them uh, back to the negotiating table as partners you can't ignore. And so in a lot of ways, 2017 has been the first year in a, in a little while uh, that the Democratic Party has been relevant and powerful in Oklahoma politics. And that's a great segue, Alex, back to what I had just asked Brian a little bit ago, which is how has... Uh, state question 640 resulted in one tax proposal uh, being forced to include other components. That's right. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a, a very very interesting point. It, it, if you look at the raw numbers, the Republicans have 72 members in the House of Representatives. You, in order to get this supermajority, you need 76 votes. Clearly, they can't do that without some help from Dem- the Democrats. And uh, the Democrats are not going to just go along with whatever Republican proposals are. Their attitude is that if uh, you're going to need our help in passing things, then we would like our input into whatever the final uh, package looks like. The reason why the cigarette tax has always been the, the most popular issue is simply because it's the most popular issue. When you poll the cigarette tax, and for, for all the years I've ever watched the cigarette tax being polled, it typically uh, polls uh, pretty much a, along the lines of uh, not party affiliation, but whether or not you smoke or don't. And in this state, we have probably 65 to 70% of the people that do not smoke. The remainder do smoke. So when you poll the cigarette tax, it, it comes along around the, that, that threshold. It's about 65% support for, for something like that. So uh, that's, why, that's why that was the 
the one tax increase that the, the Republicans, I think if they had their way, that would be the only thing that they passed. But the Democrats have said, wait a minute, you need our help, then we have some ideas as how to solve, solve the budget woes. I think the Democrats believe that uh, we've gotten into the budget situation that we're in today because of some tax cuts that have been enacted and things like that. And therefore, they would like to do things that they believe are, are more representative of their constituencies. So a cigarette tax uh, proposal that they needed to get 76%, that they went to the Supreme Court and got thrown out, has now morphed into a fairly large revenue package uh, that includes gross production taxes. It includes um, uh, the packages that were during, uh, 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 taken up uh, during special session included um, uh, a gross production tax, gasoline tax, cigarette tax. There's some taxes on uh, beer and, and wine and things like that. There were even report. you know, we reported at Nondoc that there were offers at the end of regular session to even include some income tax changes, That's which, right. are, which are certainly not po- uh, publicly positive uh, uh, taxes. You know, the other factor is that the, the state's budget hole is actually so large that the cigarette tax alone can't really fill that. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, this is, we say history repeats itself. Well, if we're going back to the 80s and the lead up to House Bill 1017, you know, that, that it wasn't just, oh, House Bill 1017 happened in a vacuum. Actually, there was a lead up to that as well with multiple uh, tax initiatives being being pushed in the mid '80s, uh, I believe there was a double-digit cut when uh, when when uh, Senator Marvin York was uh, the pro tem in the Senate and Dan Draper was the Speaker in the House. There was proposal that okay, as you mentioned, the the oil bust um, agencies were facing upwards of a 10% cut potentially, and essentially, uh, I've been told Senator York uh, wasn't going to kind of go for that. And as a result, they decided to pass some tax increases. Um, that, but it wasn't just one item, right? They were able to do those through as 51 vote items in the House, 25 vote items in the Senate. And it actually wasn't all that easy then. Those no. things weren't flying through with 65 votes. That's right. Um, That's right. And so, you know, it's always been difficult to raise taxes. But the question now is, has 640 reached too high of a threshold to achieve? If you remember uh, that the... In November, in special session, uh, November 8th, I believe it was, the uh, sort of large revenue, some people called it compromise, some people didn't want to call it compromise, but it set the GPT incentive rate at four. It included the cigarette tax, it included gas taxes. Um, that wound up getting 71 votes, which to my knowledge is the most votes that something has gotten. Uh, because it, it, in most instances, if you don't think something has a chance to pass, why are you in leadership going to put it up to a vote and put your members on a tax vote that's not good for re-election and stuff like that? But this wound up getting 71 votes. Um, a, a, a broad majority of Democrats voted for it. Um, a slightly lower majority of Republicans voted for it. Uh, and yet it still fell five votes short at the end of the day to, to passage. Right, right. So I think the question then is, uh, is it even possible to pass a tax increase of any kind? And I think that's what we're we're looking at as we move forward. I mean, we've we've seen one plan uh, that'll be a, a big deal in the coming legislative session, which is the Step Up Oklahoma plan. It's got a a huge coalition of business leaders and civic leaders and nonprofits and and all sorts of people who support it. Uh, it's it's supposed to be, I think, the sort of the supercharged version 
of this tax package that narrowly went down uh, in the last session, and I think this will be a real litmus test for um, it, under our current system, can we even pass a tax increase? Is it mathematically possible? Because if this goes down when you have the energy industry and the healthcare industry and virtually you know all of the various sectors of Oklahoma's economies telling legislators it's okay raise our taxes we need to be able to fund our schools and our infrastructure and things like that if that can't pass I wonder if anything can and, and Brian you you're a baseball guy you had a, a good analogy which which I like and I think uh, kind of is illustrative of uh, the problem that we're facing. Yeah, I think that the, the where we are today, I hear a lot of, of, of complaints, and rightfully so. People are frustrated. P- people want you know government funded. They want you know teachers. Uh, they want uh, they want to send their kids to good schools with comp- well compensated teachers. With uh, they want they want nursing homes to be able to stay open and hospitals and you know on down the line. Uh, and there's a lot of I think consternation and people complaining about. The, the legislature is just incompetent. They can't do things. You know, I, I really look at it from the standpoint that uh, it's actually miraculous that they got 71 votes, Trace, I think, uh, in a supermajority Republican environment that they, they were able to put 71 votes on the board. Uh, considering how we've talked about historically, you just, you know, it's very difficult to do uh, to get anywhere close to that. Uh, we we had when we go back and talked about the emergency clause. Emergency clauses require 66 votes, and the, and they had a difficult time back in 1990 even getting the emergency clause. Uh, but the analogy that I have come up with uh, when we put in state question 640 is that it would be like moving the baseball fences back from uh, you know 400 feet uh, to 600 feet, and then and then having a conversation about why nobody can hit home runs anymore. Well, it's because you move the fences back and why can't we raise taxes why can't the legislature raise taxes because the threshold has been raised dramatically and it depends on who you talk to I think the people who passed state question 640 would tell you this is exactly what we wanted to happen we wanted it to be very difficult because our slogan was no new taxes without a vote of the people I think it's important to point out this package a package like this uh, has not gone in front of the voters. It has been the legislature that has been taking up the, these items. Uh, the other thing that State Question 640 did was not only did it say no new taxes without a vote of the people or a 75% threshold, but it also said you can't even bring up a revenue-raising measures to the people uh, uh, except for in the general election, uh, in the next large general election, which means every even-numbered November, basically, so 2018, 2020, 2022. That's when you would able to even be able to bring this up, which is quite ironic because State Question 640 passed on a primary ballot uh, back in 1990. So we have an interesting, I think, period of time. Back in uh, back in the uh, 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 90, I'm sorry, 1992 is when that passed. Uh, 1017 was 1990. But on the ballot in 90 and 92 were two of the most sweeping pieces of legislation that I think are we're dealing with repercussions today. Term limits were enacted, and then state question 640 were enacted. So now we have a legislature that does not have as much institutional knowledge, historical knowledge as they once had. They haven't been through the fires and the fights of some of these things that happened back in the early 90s and all that type of stuff. And then you've asked them, and then you've given them the 
uh, highest threshold, my understanding, in the country in order to pass taxes. So I don't, you know, from my perspective, I don't think it's that great a surprise that we can't get to 75%. I think right. that if you're paying attention to what's going on in Washington or any other place, they're not getting 75% agreement on any of these type of things. And I think, you know, at the risk of stretching your baseball metaphor too far and, and making it silly, but so if the, if the fences are moved back to 600 feet near a batter, or, or baseball team, you've basically got two choices. You can either, you know, lift weights and try to hit the ball a lot harder uh, and and still hit home runs, and that's sort of what the step-up Oklahoma plan is doing. It's They're calling in the the big guns and, and all the firepower they've got to try to just crush the ball out of the park and, and uh, you know, hit that home run and pass that tax increase. If that doesn't work, I think we're basically going to settle into – uh, a new reality, which is it is not possible to pass a traditional tax increase in the state of Oklahoma. And if that's the case, then we have two more options. One, change the rules again, uh, eliminate state question 640, and, and or, or you know you have to pursue an, another ballot initiative which lowers the threshold either to a simple majority or lower supermajority than uh, the 76 votes now. Or if that's not possible, uh, go for 51-vote revenue-raising solutions, and that would be the elimination of tax credits, which we've already seen. And some of those are business tax credits. You've, you've seen things like uh, uh, wind and energy credits eliminated or scaled back, but some of them are tax credits which, you know, quote-unquote, normal people uh, enjoy, including some, some low-income Oklahomans, like the earned income tax credit, which is to... Uh, Support low-income Oklahomans has been eliminated recently. The refundability of the refundability, the refundability of it, excuse me, was yeah. eliminated, meaning you can't refund beyond your tax capacity as it is. The, another one that would be a good example. Uh, last year was uh, they they eliminated part of the exemption. This is this is why you guys get paid the big bucks, right? Like this is hard to to uh, voice. They eliminated part of the exemption on buying automobiles. So there was essentially a tax increase a net increase in the revenue the state would see by eliminating uh, part of the percentage exemption uh, from uh, excise tax sure um, and, and these are things that are you know are very difficult for the public to understand I mean at the end of the day if you're just a working person who's got a couple kids and you're hoping that your schools get funded better and you want good roads and bridges and you want your hospital in rural Oklahoma and you want your nursing homes to, to, to remain open. And one just got announced that they're closing uh, in, oh, in, right. in uh, northeastern Oklahoma, I guess it was. Yep. Um, that if you want those things, at, at the end of the day, you you probably aren't too focused on uh, the way in which an excise tax is adjusted. You, you really are trying to, to hope for uh, some sort of deal and not really be too concerned about the specifics of it unless somebody calls you on the telephone and asks you for a poll uh, what you think of this. And right. so the this the state legislature and a lot of the, the business leaders um, with the Step Up Oklahoma plan and just the state chamber in general um, are interested in uh, adjusting state question 640, as you said. Um, and there's been a couple bills filed uh, that would take that, I think, down to a 60% uh, uh, threshold. There's other people thinking, well, 66% would be better. Um, and so that could very well be on the ballot in 2018. At the same time, uh, in the sort of the Democratic wing and, and some of the old uh, mineral owners and old, old drillers in, in uh, the petroleum industry uh, are, are have their own state question, state question 795, uh, which is an attempt to add an additional 5% GPT 
uh, onto new newly spudded wells um, that would then functionally take uh, that to 7%, uh, which would be used to help fund a teacher pay raise in some capacity. You can read the, the language if, you, if you'd like, but um, that's sort of on the other fringe of it, right, is that they're, they don't want a compromise at four on that issue. So this is going to be a very messy ballot, potentially a very long ballot again sure. in 2018. Um, wh where do you guys see, uh, how do you see that ballot shaping up and what lessons do you think people can learn from, from how we got here? Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, we're going to have probably uh, was going to require a deeper dive for us to have a conversation probably on a later podcast, I hope, maybe and go into details about the step up plan. Because as you talked earlier, uh, as the cigarette tax grew into some of these other taxes that, that you, you visited about before, the step up plan has even expanded it even more, including some uh, wind uh, repealing some wind credits, also a wind tax. Uh, included in that and also has some income tax deductions that they're tackling uh, in that. So really a much broader, large uh, revenue package that will be uh, very fascinating to debate uh, and, and would, quite frankly, be the largest tax increase in state history. And I think that that's a controversial issue going into a, an election year. I would remind our listeners out there that uh, there's a lot of people up in arms. There's a lot of people upset about uh, the legislature's inaction on some of these items. But the people had an opportunity to uh, do a teacher pay raise just in 2016 in the November election, and they voted that down. And so uh, I think that it remains to be seen where the voters in the state really are on tax increases. This has historically been a state that has not supported tax increases. Uh, other than, as you pointed out earlier, they passed the popular cigarette tax uh, in 2000. And so I think that um, it, we are shaping up to possibly have a very crowded uh, ballot, and it depends on what happens with Step Up, because as you pointed out, some of the Step Up provisions, some of the reform measures attached to Step Up would be ballot measures that would be things like changing term limits uh, and uh, tweaking state question 640 and those type of things. And I think that to some extent, we're going to find out what the people of Oklahoma really want and how what type of a, a government they want in the future. Uh, they're going to have an opportunity to vote on some of those uh, at the polls. Yeah, I, I think so too. And one of the things we haven't talked about uh, is the shadow that the uh, health department scandal, for lack of a, a better word, is cast over this debate. I, I think, you know, as I said the, earlier, the Governor Fallon coming out and saying, no, we have a revenue problem was a big deal for Oklahoma Republicans because it sort of changed the dynamic of the conversation. And I think you could see um, both parties, or at least the Democrats and the moderate wing of the Republican Party, coalescing around this idea that we do need more revenue, we do need to support uh, some sort of tax increase. Uh, the health department implosion a few weeks ago kind of blew that narrative up. Uh, it's clear that they were at the very least, not managing their money appropriately, uh, sort of this idea of waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, they've they at least checked, you know, one of those three boxes, maybe more. And uh, I think there is the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way, where there are a lot of Republicans saying, "No, we were right all along. We don't need new taxes. We don't need new revenue. We need better government." And um, so we're going to go one of two ways next year. Either either we're going to uh, 
uh, as a state decide we need more revenue to support the government that we have now and maybe it's expanding needs uh, or we're going to look at it and say uh, again we kind of retreat to our traditional ideological camps where Democrats are saying we need more revenue for bigger government Republicans are saying nope we've got a out of control government that's spending too much and uh, guilty of mission creep let's trim the fat and and uh, cut revenue if possible. Yeah, you've got some people in the middle trying to say Oklahomans want both, and I think that's fair. I mean, I think people are willing to to pay for government if they feel that the government is is being run efficiently uh, and and is doing important things and not frivolous things. And that's a hard sell right, right now. Well, I think you're right, Trace. Um, but it's as you I think we're about to say it's difficult to make the case that hey everything's hunky-dory state government when the FBI is investigating you know, one of the large agencies. We, we've misused federal funds there. Yeah. There's questions about the Department of Tourism. There's all sorts of uh, uh, issues at the level. I did look something up uh, on the computer here uh, while you were talking. Not that I wasn't listening, but uh, you mentioned the cigarette tax that did pass. It was, I think it was 2004. Um, it was state question 713, and it, it, it modified some things and how sales tax was done, and, and, and I think because of the tribal relationship that Oklahoma has and stuff like that. Do, uh, guess how much that passed by? We talk about that this polls at plus 60%. Right. It only received 53.4% of the vote. Wow. Yeah. So that was, you know, if we say, oh, the cigarette tax polls at 65%, well, so was the penny sales tax. Uh, that you were right. referenced in 2016 for education directly. Right. So just because something um, may seem like it, it, it's going to get the, the uh, public support, um, a lot can happen between now and November. And, and still, it's also important to, to keep in mind that, let's say, uh, Step Up Oklahoma, um, pieces of that may move forward. Uh, or pieces of it may be put on the ballot to voters. That's right. um, and I think there is some concern. We've got a lot of opportunity in future contests to get into all of this stuff. Um, I, I think unless we've got anything to yeah, conclude. I, 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 would, I would like to just say, because uh, I think we would have some, some people in the Oklahoma State Senate that would like us to point this out. The State Senate has passed by a supermajority essentially a large tax package. Uh, they Because of what you stated earlier, uh, uh, revenue raising measures have to originate in the House, but they wanted to go on record and show they do have a 75% supermajority in the Senate that would pass a tax package, and they did do that and send something over to the House just symbolically to let them know. Well, so, it sort of forced the hand. Actually, mm -hmm. they, they modified, they amended a House bill that had been sent over to then include that big package in November and then forced the House right. to vote on it because they were, as you're alluding to, not happy that they were getting all the public outcry, oh, the legislature's bad, the legislature's bad, the legislature's bad, and the senators are sitting there on their hands going, we're waiting for them to send us something that we can vote on. Right, right. But I think, you know, if there's if there's any message that I'd like to get across in this, it's that we are, we are you know, in historic territory here of trying to figure out how to pass things, uh, pass tax increases with a threshold that no other legislature has ever had to deal with. And that's a very difficult uh, uh, bar, and I think that it's a healthy debate, and it is a debate that's going to continue. And as you have, have talked about uh, on some of these polling numbers, uh, State Question 640 passed with 56% of the vote, for instance. Uh, you know, f when I was going back and researching House Bill 1017, 
it was like I was reading modern day newspapers because uh, the impetus behind uh, ten seventeen was make those uh, make newspapers. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, best read it, online. Yeah, best read online <laughs> at, at Nondoc especially. But they yeah they uh, back when they had newspapers uh, they they were running stories back then talking about how uh, overcrowded classrooms uh, needing teacher pay raise. All of these type of things, and, and one of the things that just uh, it stuck stuck with me was back in 1990, teacher pay was ranked 49th in the country, and after the passage of uh, House Bill 1017, eight years after that, uh, it had gone to 45th. We've now slid back to 48th. But the point is, you know, we didn't make some even at that point in time. We didn't jump up to to the, the middle of the pack or anything like that. I mean, th- these are really incremental changes that you can do uh, in order to to fund teachers, which I think a lot of most people want to do. They want to figure out a way to do that. Uh, but these are complicated issues, to say the least. Right. I love newspapers, by the way. I just want to make sure our millennials understood what we were talking about when we were losing our audience says the guy whose uh, job is to to do pr uh with with publications so there we go That's right. um, so on that note uh let's do a little bit of our own um uh, uh pr if you will uh, sort of a personal recap of uh what we viewed the 2017 uh legislative session to be i i at some point i think i've tweeted this out i'd done the the math and i think i'd spent you know some something like 65% of my year, uh, you know, in legislative session. I don't know. Uh, 25% of statistics are made up on the spot. But uh, if 2017 uh, had a moniker, um, I want to know what you guys w- would say. 2017 was the year of the blank. Fill it in. It's the year of the scandal. We had uh, state representatives resigning uh, for a litany of uh, offenses, Crimes, abuses, unfortunately. That's uh, a delicate way to put that. (laughs) It could be an entirely uh, separate podcast. We could go into that. Uh, Be a book. Yeah, right. The uh, the health department had troubles, as as we mentioned, and uh, I I think we'll look back on it as as a strange year uh, where uh, that was largely defined by scandal, and unfortunately, I think it's. Uh, as we were talking about before, it's it's shook people's confidence in our state government and in our our legislature, but also in the executive. And it's difficult to convince people to invest in a government and in services, uh, and in they're you know putting more resources into uh, all of these things when they're you, you know the headlines are dominated by. Uh, some some pretty gross offenses. If if they're not careful, the legislature is going to be less popular than journalists. So they really need to to shape up and get that. That was supposed to be a laugh. You still have you still have a lobbyist down below uh, both of those groups. There you <laughs> right. go. There you go. But you guys right. are so friendly. It's like you're paid to do that. Uh, so uh, Brian, what what is your uh, year of? You know, it, it would be hard to beat the year of uh, the ongoing special session and on ongoing budget crisis. But I I actually have to agree with Alex. I think the scandal actually does uh, beat it. I think that with all of the never ending special session. Uh, taking up the, really uh, most of the year, uh, being in special session and all of everything around uh, the budget, 
uh, the scandals are something that I really have not seen in, in my years of lobbying. Uh, I have not seen this number of uh, special elections, resignations, scandals, you know, you, whatever you want to say. Uh, it has been uh, quite a, a turbulent year, and so I, I have to go with scandal as well. So what's, what's 2018? No, predictions. Well, I have, I have a, I, I, do I, I'm the. Oh yeah, well, I mean, to... I'm wearing a tie here. Sure. <laughs> uh, so I, I like where you guys are are with with the year of the scandal, but I'm going to flip it a different way. To me, it's the year of the empty chair, because owing to these scandals and owing to some other resignations, I don't believe that 2017 Oklahoma had a full legislative body at any point in the year. You had uh, one representative resign nary two months after winning re-election uh and you if you tack in all the other people who've resigned for sexual harassment or other criminal behavior or other reasons even reasons that haven't been stated yet right. um or explained uh you know that uh, you you have and then you have other people we have a, a situation where a sitting state rep right now is uh up for election to a vacant senate seat um here in a, another month or so and i think the law says that 2018 you can't have special elections uh, ahead for anything that opens up after 2018. Um, so I, I think it's the year of the empty seat because when we're talking about 76 votes in the House and a three-fourths majority in the Senate for, for these measures, uh, if you're not playing with a full deck of people, that's just they're basically a no vote. So I, I view it as the year of the, the empty chair. You were about to say, Alex, what the, the prediction for 2018 is. I don't, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I'm supposed to uh, you know, not say that sort of stuff. You, what do you guys think? Thunder and seven in the Western <laughs> Conference Finals against the Warriors. <laughs> I like your optimism. Yeah. And if that happens, I think it solves a lot of our problems. It does, yeah. yeah. I can't think of a better way to end that then. Um, if you guys uh, liked what you heard, um, I really hope that you'll uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We're going to get better and better at this, work out a few uh, kinks, uh, you know, uh, laugh at ourselves a little more, and, and even have some good guests here. Um, send us an email, reach out to us on Twitter about uh, future topics you'd like to hear us talk about how we got here with. And then, of course, when you subscribe to us, rate, review, uh, and, and subscribe uh, to the fkg podcast how we got here gentlemen it's been a pleasure uh have a great night and i'll see you at the capitol uh two days from now uh uh, soon unfortunately all right on that note (laughs) goodbye good night good luck how We Got Here is a presentation of FKG Consulting in association with Nondoc.com, produced and edited by Bryce Holland. For more information, visit fkgconsulting.com and nondoc.com.